Hi, I'm Reg Harbeck, and today I'm here with Milt Rosberg, who is the Global VP at Vanguard Integrity Professionals. And we're here to talk about tax uh, management. Now, uh, Milt and I are both mainframers by background, and so we have a, a particular experience with what, what the rest of the world calls patch management that is somewhat more focused on S&P and, and sort of interesting that the two uh, things have kind of grown up together over the years. And, and so, um, uh, Milt, maybe if I could start by asking you to, to really give us a picture of what is patch management uh, in, in the world of mainframe today? Well, historically, uh, when you had a mainframe system, let's say you're in the banking community or the insurance community, the last thing you wanted to do was fool around with your mainframe if everything is working. I mean, they just didn't want to apply anything to it. Actually, we have clients that we've worked with that claimed they were going to get off the mainframe and they wouldn't touch it for four or five or six years and then come back to us and says, you know what, we changed our mind. The application doesn't work on whatever other platform they were trying to use and how to bring them up to speed. But traditionally, they would maybe every year or every 18 months, they would apply a thing called maintenance at that particular point. Maintenance would come in two versions. One would come from a vendor. It would have all their recommendations, and you would load the maintenance on. Or it would be uh, maintenance would be like PTFs, things that were pretty critical to make sure the system worked correctly. But it was more on the operational side than it was on the security and compliance side. So the idea of, of patch management, uh, it is my opinion, in the last three years or so on the ZOS environment is being pushed downward from uh, organizations where the board of directors is making sure that all the systems in the enterprise have the latest releases and patches in them because they don't want to introduce anything into their system that could possibly cause a outage for any of the applications that they're running. So uh, by early days, I just remember nobody wanted to touch it if it worked. In fact, they would actually stay on an older version of their hardware because they didn't want to go to a new version, take a chance that would drop. And but now it's changed where you want to put in the very latest things that you can to make sure you, you don't have any vulnerabilities in your software, or if you do, you correct it as fast as you can. Now, I remember, you know, I mean, one of the things that I was taught as a junior systems programmer is, you know, the whole process, you know, that system be process, uh, you know, uh, receive, uh, apply, test, 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 you know, uh, accept, and then roll out to production. Um, and, you know, right. the, there's this whole discussion of, you know, leading edge versus bleeding edge, you know, and, and as you point out, the, the hesitancy to apply any maintenance that, you know, hadn't proven itself in other environments yet, you know, that that hadn't had further fixes added to it. Um, now that, as you point out, the, the contrast between that and the urgency that comes with security-related maintenance seems to create almost uh, two separate things, but the problem is everything touches security. So so maybe you can kind of give us some thoughts about, you know, how how is the the balance changed? How is it shifted? 
that's interesting you bring up the whole change management concept. Uh, we've worked with clients before that have applied what they thought was a fix or a systems person applied something that did not go through the change management process mm. and put it on a test system and then put that on a pre-production then put that on a uh, an LPAR that was going to check something out even more and then go ahead and go live. Maybe they applied something to a production LPAR and when they did without going through the normal channels that the organization provides, they could actually bring that LPAR down or bring the network down or bring that system down. And we've been called in when that has happened, not necessarily with our tools, but just we get notified that, hey, somebody made a tragic error and they loaded something without going through the process. So you still have to go through the very same process that you talk about. It has to go through the change management control, making sure that the software is correct and that these are the kind of things that you want to have. There's another part of this that uh, really needs to be discussed, and that is making sure that the code that you're putting on the system has been scanned to make sure that it doesn't have any vulnerabilities in the code itself. And this code vulnerability scanning software, uh, KRI had it, and then they get purchased by Rocket. Now Rocket has that, and I believe IBM also provides it. That's a capability that has to also, this is my opinion, should be introduced into this whole idea of making sure that whatever you put on the system is correct. Now you have the other half of this. How do you determine which is the correct patch that you want to have implement on your system when every patch becomes a priority and then no patch ends up being prioritized? It's it's a whole, it's almost like it has its life of its own now. If you knew in the past with the mainframe that every six months you were going to have, going to go ahead and put whatever applied maintenance, that's from your vendors and uh, from IBM, ZOS environments, and you were going to apply all of that every six months, you would go through the very careful process of change control, looking at the software, making sure that it works correctly, loading it up, putting it on the test LPAR, and then you would gradually distribute it across your enterprise. What we're finding if, with our clients is that they are have gone from the 18 months, the 12 months, the six months, to once a quarter, and in some cases, once a month. So what do you do if you have an environmental, let's just say, 60 LPARs? That's really not that large a system. We have clients that have over 100 LPARs, but even 10 LPARs. And how do you get the software loaded up on the 10 LPARs with great confidence that you have the correct changes in there and you get it distributed across the LPARs and you can validate that was uh, in the process of being taken care of. Uh, an example of a client that we've worked with is they have a enterprise-wide environment and they actually take the software that they want to load and they put it in test LPARs. So they have roughly 100 LPARs. They put it in each of the test LPARs, which are DR LPARs. They run it in those, and then they spend uh, the group.
people, I'm going to say anywhere between 8 and 12, they would load it up on the other 100 LPARs, and then they would make it production. So if you do the math and the amount of hours that you have to put in to get the systems up to date with the, quote, patches, uh, it's a tremendous amount of work. And so that's so we've gone from historically we've gone from this place where geez eighteen months is great once a year is really fast every six months is well that's pretty pretty aggressive to once a quarter and now we're looking at some cases where it's once a month. Mm. Uh, now looking at the uh, the concept of it, I think is important because of course the, the idea of a patch is you're fixing something, but not all maintenance is fixing stuff. Often introduces new features and new functionality, uh, and, and also often introduces more security uh, exposures. Um, what what process do you recommend for people? You know, of course, you think about your prereqs and all that sort of thing. The, the, what, what process is, is best in the world of mainframe where we have this whole established approach to, to focus yep. especially on the security-related stuff well, giving the, the functional stuff the, the appropriate elbow room to kind of prove itself. Yeah, that's a really a great question. Uh, what we're finding is some clients do not want to have any of the new capabilities. They just want to have the whatever uh, PTFs or that that you think need to be taken care of because they've been called in as trouble tickets, if you will, and then all the patches come in for those and they're kind of looking at that space, that they prefer to have that as opposed to all the new features. So you really have two worlds. One is all the new features that a vendor could provide, which could introduce new security risk because you don't have the uh, framework in place to go ahead and look at the, all the new features. Then you have the other part, which is like continuous maintenance, where if somebody, uh, you want to make sure that all the latest maintenance is applied, and the maintenance that is applied are the things that are really concerning for that environment. And you know, what what is the environment? So if you just think about it for a few minutes, if you look at the whole enterprise, it's going to have all kinds of different applications that are up and running. And then this one part of it you're going to have in a ZOS environment is the, is this whole patch management concept. They have to be looking in the mainframe environment. You're going to look at things like, well, is my database protected? Is my baseline reporting working? Do I have all my libraries in place? And what about automated security and monitoring? And what about privilege access monitoring and backups? And what about my MFA? And is my password working correctly? And what about encryption? Am I encrypting things in flight? Am I encrypting things? Uh, that are not in flight, and then you have this thing called, quote, patch management. How do I get this installed and implemented? And it's, a, it's not a simple task, because you're looking at all these other spots in your enterprise that you want to make sure that are protected, each one of those, as an individual group. Let's just take backups as an example. Let's say that you're using a backup system and you have to have you have to implement patches for your backup system to make sure that it's working absolutely correct because you have to send that off to disaster recovery. When do you put that in? And why do you put it in? 
And what is the reason you put it? You don't want to have your backup system not working correctly because let's say that your disaster recovery system is there for a disaster. So should that be the very first thing that you make sure is absolutely correct because of the, the system you're relying on in production all day long is the one that's working? So you now have this whole science of how do you prioritize to make sure that your enterprise environment is being secured, protected, and operating with operational efficiency, yet at the same time not reducing as much risk as possible. It's not a simple task, and we're probably not going to cover all the points in 20 or 30 minutes, but it is a, I think it's almost like a new science that's coming out for the mainframe environment. How do we get all the patches in? How do we get them correctly? And how do we manage them? And how do you prioritize which are the most important ones to implement? Hmm. Now, this is sort of interesting because it's also parallel to another journey we've had on the mainframe, you know, for a very long time. Uh, you know, IBM and the various ISVs have tried to offer solutions that, you know, uh, front-end S&P, if you will, uh, try to simplify, you know, the, the uh, you know, putting together the pre's, putting together all the stuff, you know, applying and, uh, and obviously, you know, ZOSMF, or as I like to say, ZOSMF, uh, you know, is, is um, uh, one of the more recent ways that, you know, they really make the, the uh, maintenance a lot more simple and straightforward. But, you know, you've got some additional challenges. You know, you're talking, for example, about ensuring the provenance and, and the reliability of, of given patches. Um, you know, and so, uh, what, what's the current state of the art then in terms of, you know, being able to, uh, deal with all these various challenges on the mainframe? So, uh, an approach that we've been requested to look at and, uh, is a way that we can put it all into one file, if you will, and I'm going to call it the gold file, and hmm. that gets processed uh, across the whole enterprise, the ZOS enterprise, and then we ensure that each of the LPARs that this is going to uh, is the correct uh, information that was supposed to be sent to each one of the LPARs. We apply some math to it to make sure that each one of them are loaded correctly and that uh, we get the latest updates that are put in. And what I'm finding is that if, if you don't have a really well-organized automated process to get this across your enterprise, the amount of manpower that you have to implement in order to make this work. And it shouldn't be really external security manager dependent. It should mm -hmm. be whether it's RACF, ACF2, or top secret, you should be able to get this sent to all of your whole enterprise environment. And uh, what we have found and our customers have found is that you have to have a way of aggregating the information, then you have to have a way of delivering the information and you have, if you have a pipeline that's going to update each of the LPARs and each of the databases in a very organized fashion, and you apply math to it to make sure that everything's been implemented properly, then that becomes your that becomes your gold standard to, to move forward. And we actually didn't think of this. We had a couple of large clients come to us and said, you know, we really need some help with this. The way we've been fooling around with this before is we're not getting it done fast enough and correct enough. And we're nervous because when you get a, 
auditors that are stepping in is they audit the whole enterprise. They're saying, okay, on your Active Directory systems, we're doing good, the Microsoft, the Open Systems, the AS400s, the Unix systems, the Linux systems, all these systems, we're getting all the patches put in under real quickly. Then you get to the mainframe environment, and the auditors are looking hard at this, and they're saying, are we making sure that all the latest releases of software and all the latest patches are put in in a timely fashion? And when they find that they're not being implemented quickly and properly, it is an, it becomes an audit finding. And uh, you know, the day where the mainframe, uh, typically when somebody come in and do an audit, in the past, and I'm not, I don't mean to throw stones at it, but the auditors that come in and they ask a mainframe person, are you doing this, this, and this, and they have a checklist, because they don't even know, a lot of the auditors don't really even know what they're looking at, and they'll talk to a systems person typically, and the systems person, oh yeah, that's good, the authorized libraries are protected, oh yeah, we have that taken care of, oh yeah, we encrypt, it, encrypt everything on flight, yep, we have no open ports, all those are taken care of, yes, everybody went to security training, we automatically make sure our passwords are changed every 30 days, oh, we don't recycle our passwords at all, and you know, that's the kind of what happens, so the auditor gets this list and he just checks them off, now we're finding that we're getting firms like uh, Deloitte are coming in with very seasoned, smart ZOS people looking at these systems to make sure that they're being following the rules that have to be applied to audit, that they're just not a checklist anymore. Mm -hmm. And I believe what's happened is because there are so many systems being hacked you take a look at the number of systems being hacked, it's almost like every day something shows up. And not because uh, uh, we don't have good security on the mainframe. It's, a, it's the most securable platform there is. You just need to apply all the capabilities that you have. We talked to uh, the shops where, whether they're using our tools or not, they, have an impl they implement some percentage of all the capabilities that we provide or that IBM provides, or that Broadcom provides. And so the whole getting the software updated and getting it delivered and tested and making sure that it gets across the whole enterprise is one more of those things. It's one more of those requirements the auditors are really starting to pay attention to. Uh, we spend a fair amount of time as a company with ASACA and going to the audit events. And when I talk with them, uh, the people that are actually doing the audits, they are paying a lot of attention to the mainframe, much more than they used to. And the people that are doing the work are skilled. And uh, frequently we get called in by somebody like Deloitte to look at some things that, you know, maybe when they do a migration or something, they want to talk to us about was it done correctly. And so when that happens, the very thing they're concerned about do they have the latest release of software, the right stuff on it? Do they have any homegrown stuff that hasn't, hasn't been checked in years? All those kind of questions have to be looked at. And then you want to make sure it gets dispersed correctly across the enterprise. You something there when you talk about homegrown stuff, because one of the things that really struck me about the mainframe is, you know, well, we got shops, you know, the, the mainframe itself is like 59 years old. Just, you know, since System 360, and we've got shops where they've written stuff 
um, that was, uh, you know, back in the 60s and 70s that's still in use, you know, and, and may have lost a person who actually created it. And you know, the IBM and the ISV software has long since, you know, come out with, you know, functionality that's in the, the product that you could move to, but people are still maintaining their own in-house stuff. And then add on to that, having a, a reliable provenance for the maintenance that they get from, you know, IBM and all the various other vendors, um, you know, being able to, to track all of these things and ensure that they're not creating uh, exposures just, you know, by the very fact of, of having stuff that isn't properly, you know, uh, controlled. Uh, there must be some really important uh, tooling in place to to really ensure the, the reliability of what is being done. That's a really great point. Really, this is one of the key things we end up with uh, with some of these mainframe shops that we're working with. They have developed their own delivery system. A lot of the stuff was written in Rex and Assembler. And maybe it's some guy in the corner that's getting ready to retire in three years. And uh, an example of that is a client that we're working with, uh, actually not even using our tools, but it's a client we're working with. They had systems written by a very sharp individual who lives in another country and, and, and he's getting ready to retire and he ran into some health reasons and now they're nervous and they're they're one of the key sponsors and architects of the system that we're building say so we have got to find another way to make sure we don't have this problem they ended up with a, a serious situation because if anything happens now you have this code that's doing all this delivery of software across their enterprise and the person that's developed the code knows the stuff intimately you know they have a, a they have a point of failure which is a really a bad thing to have and we run into other organizations that have similar things which you're talking about rich we ha i went to a client recently and uh their their team wanted him this person that we're working with he's a systems guy a developer and they wanted him to write the compliance checks. And he said, I don't want to do it. He said, I'm not going to write the checks. He said, we just don't, we don't want to write the checks. And they said, well, no, you have the capability with this software that we have for this vendor. You can write the checks and modify them yourself and everything else. He said, I'm not doing it. And they ended up uh, doing business with us and they wanted to use a vendor's tool that had all the checks in place. And I asked him why after we spent some time with him. He said, because I don't want to be responsible for the maintenance for the checks mm. and all the regulations that are coming out. And let's say that I, I say that we're, we're compliant and then somebody gets into our system and they hack us. Who do you think they're going to hold responsible? He said, I'm the person they're going to hold responsible. I'm the systems guy. I've been here 30 some odd years. Uh, and I don't want to be, and I'm, I am the smartest person on the system. I know it extremely well, but I don't want to be responsible for doing the maintenance for the, all the compliance stuff that comes out because that puts me in a situation that I'm telling the company that I work for, it's a bank, that everything is okay when I don't know that it's okay because I'm not on the front line discovering all that stuff on a daily basis. So the thing that you're talking about, Reg, is that it's moving so quickly, it has to be dependent on vendors that have all the capability 
of looking at all the latest stuff that's out and tracking it and then putting on an easy method for them to go to the, the customer's home, pull the stuff down, get it on the system, make sure it doesn't have any holes in it, and then get it broadcast across the network. Whether it's for compliance or it's for encryption or password protection or uh, whatever it happens to be, but that's the space that we think as a as a vendor that we need to help the market space. This isn't like we're going to go in and rip and replace IBM out or rip and replace Broadcom out. This is just a capability that you add onto your system to meet a wild requirement that you have today. And how do you go ahead and implement it? And you're absolutely right. These systems have been around a long, long time. We get calls where somebody says, I got some Rex code this guy wrote 20 years ago. It's running this application. Can you help figure out what it is? And they'll ask us to take a look at it. We'll dissect it because we're a development shop. We'll figure it out. We'll document it and just say it's a good thing you didn't cut that off. And uh, But the very thing you're talking about is this is a, it's not a trivial task. So when the auditor comes in and says, well, what does that code do? And a systems guy that's been there 15 years goes, I have no idea. <laughs> How do you apply maintenance to that? Uh, now, one additional dimension to our conversation before we sort of uh, bring it to the, 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 the uh, apex of our uh, topic here, I guess, it is the concept and it being implicit in so much of what you said of, of vulnerabilities. You know, on the one hand, the vulnerability of in-house code where the vulnerability is perhaps the departure of the person who wrote it as much as it no longer, you know, covering all possible circumstances. But then also the right. vulnerabilities that, you know, uh, recent PTFs come out just to deal with a, a, a zero day, if you will, vulnerability, you know, and, and that leads to some really radical behaviors like something called Pat Tuesday. Um, you know, can you maybe talk about, you know, just some of the additional perspectives that come with, with the whole concept <laughs> of vulnerabilities? Yeah. The whole idea of Patch Tuesday, you know, do you know where that originated? Patch I'm not Tuesday. sure I do. I'm thinking of Patch Adams, I, but I'm I'm sure that's not it. That's not it. <laughs> no, Patch Tuesday, I believe, was uh, when Microsoft would come out. They, every Tuesday, you had to update your computer. And so that was the whole concept of Patch Tuesday. We actually have, you know, we use a lot of PCs here. We've dealt with PCs. We use a lot of Microsoft tools. And we go through the same process internally that we go, go through in Patches. Look at your phone. How many times you get alert on your phone? You need to download this patch. And and if you will look at the way the hackers are working today, the way they're working today is they they if they could find a way to get into the Vanguard software mm -hmm. and get into our coho, which is impossible to do because we don't have a single telephone line that's connected to it, get into your source code and figure out how to implement some kind of uh, hack, or some kind of code that you could go ahead and violate it, they would do it. Yeah. So we're very, very careful not to do that. But, you know, there's a lot of vendors out there that are getting this software from all around the world. I have no idea where they're getting it from. Mm. And yeah. it's being built all kinds of places. And uh, so, you know, that is, the, that is the way. Take a look at Solar. Solar Wind was a Solar Wind. That had that That's big great. hack, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what they did is they went to the they went to the supplier of the software, and they looked at mm -hmm. the supplier of the software, figure out how they could do it. Take a look at what just had at MGM. 
you know, they got into their system, right? And it was Octadata, I believe. They got into the file transfer system of Octadata, and they were able to do whatever they needed to do. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure I'm close to it. And so, yeah, right. right? So, and the reason they do that is because the way they want to do this is they want to, it's much easier for a hacker to get paid on a ransom than it is to mm. steal the data and try to sell it on the dark web. There are companies right now, if you go online, you take a look, there are actual companies that run a ransomware capability where you hire them and you say, okay, I work at this organization and I want to attack them. There's companies that will you, you can pay per month or pay a fee or a commission and they'll go in and do all the ransomware work for you. So they've outsourced theft. And so it's just a matter of time. This is my opinion. A matter of time that the mainframe is going to be falling under the same requirements. And this is so important. You know, we, 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 we take, it's so funny. You know, people run the whole spectrum from the mainframe is long gone to the mainframe is so reliable. We don't need to worry about it. You know, and, but right. all of it amounts to it's somebody else's problem. I don't want to worry about it. But it's, it's the system of record. And so at some point, you know, hopefully before a bunch of disasters, you know, we need to be conscious of the fact that it is the system we have to be most responsible for. Um, you know, that right. we have to always anticipate possible vectors of vulnerability um, and deal with it. So, so maybe if you can kind of tie this all together for us now and, and, and talk about how, how we can, you know, look on the mainframe to, to managing all these things, everything from the latest maintenance to the, the latest vulnerabilities in a manner that, you know, allows for the fact that, you know, the people doing this are probably not going to have 20 years experience, 30 years experience. They're going to be relatively yeah. new, but they have to be effective. It's a, it's an area that we end up talking as a company to the CEO and the CISOs. Mm -hmm. And the very thing that you're bringing up is that many of these people that we're talking to, uh, because of my youth, you know, I probably have 20 years on them. 15 years on them and they've come from an open systems background and they don't and they automatically think because it's the mainframe it's automatically secure mm -hmm. ZOS is automatically secure but we get called into environments all the time where people are getting in doing nefarious things we had a university where the kids figured out how to hack it and they changed their grades uh, we had another <laughs> We had another organization where they had some code outsourced, and the people that they outsourced the two weren't vetted properly, and they put some bad code into the system, and they were able to pay themselves a fair amount of money before it was discovered. So it has to be looked at like any computer system uh, that you want to make sure that everything is correct on it. My first recommendation is for the people that are looking at these systems, you really need to do a thorough assessment. Look at every, by a professional organization, there's a lot of good companies that do it. We're one of them, but there's other companies that provide this capability. You get in and really do a full assessment on your system. Sometimes it takes a week or two weeks, and they put a team in, and they look at every single vulnerability that's on the system. Then once that's complete, uh, we go ahead and do a pen test on it, where we look at all the vulnerabilities that were in there, 
and we map all those through and we ask for a low-level ID. We mm -hmm. see if we can take that low-level ID and elevate it to go through their system. We have never failed in being able to take a low-level ID after we've gone in and done the assessment to get control of it. So that it's, a, it's amazing. And what that tells me is that it's not because the people that are using the system don't have money and they're not spending money or they're not interested in it. It's that, it's that these are very complicated systems doing a lot of hard work and it only takes one spot mm. in the system to have a vulnerability in it. And when you're not applying, just my final close on this, if you're not applying the maintenance the vendor gives you, if you're not applying mm. the maintenance like IBM gives you, you like two or three releases back on your software, there's mm. a reason they come out with a new release. They've got other things to do. Mm. And so you've got to apply this stuff and you've got to make sure that it's in and you should be doing a, a annual health check on your system by a third party organization that you completely trust that has to answer to somebody else, pay the money and get it done and get a complete uh, assessment of your system, pen testing of your system and make sure there's no back doors on it. We have mm. always, gone into systems and found places that need to be fixed. And that's my recommendation to make sure you get everything applied, all the way to having open ports, to authorized libraries, just set up wrong, not taken care of. And today, the number of people that are leaving because of their youth, mm. they're retiring out. And what they're doing now is they take this and they're giving it to an outsourcer, like five or six major outsourcers. And you cannot outsource your fiduciary responsibility. Right. You, if you're a company and you're in a banking industry and you outsource it, you're still as a banking industry responsible to the people that you're protecting your money for. Right. And there's tools out there to help you go ahead and lock it down, create a whitelist, run compliance checks, make sure the uh, people have password protection. In one place that we see a lot on the mainframe, which falls into this whole idea of making sure that you have uh, patch management and all the latest stuff in, is the people that have privileged use need to have, they need to have multi-factor authentication. Mm. We think about maybe 60% of the mainframes do not use multi-factor authentication for privileged users. So how, what difference does it make if you put all the latest stuff in, if the people that have full access to it aren't multi-factor authentication? And then if you're not having software in there to follow what they're doing, privilege access monitoring, you need to have all that in place to make sure that you can monitor that they've gone ahead and put the patches in, that they've spread it across all the LPARs that have to be there. You can watch all their activity that they're doing exactly what you're expecting them to do from an audit perspective. Mm. Uh, that's just my 40 years of 30 mm. seconds of information. This is a complicated, complicated system. It's doing real hard work. It's running a critical infrastructure of the world. 60, I think, I think it was up by Broadcom. It's like 
70 or 80% of the data is still housed on mainframes. Hmm. I think it's a high number. It's a high number. And it's used for the critical infrastructure. Yes. So that said, um, obviously you and I, uh, we've proven we can keep talking about this stuff. It's it's important. It's interesting. It's fun to talk about because it's so compelling. Um, But, you know, given that we've got sort of a limited amount of time to work with this, where can people go to find out more? Well, they can go to uh, go to vanguard.com and they can find out. Another place they really need to look is there's Share has a very, very good capability. That's where all the mainframers go, the systems people. I highly recommend that. I recommend that you look at a SACA. SACA has a lot of good. If you're not in a SACA member, you should sign up for a SACA, get your certifications for audit, or at least get an idea what they're looking at. Uh, we provide all kinds of trainings uh, for whether you're with us or not. You can go online and get free training. Uh, IBM has a lot of free stuff that you can go to and learn how to better support your system. And NIST, I think, is an excellent place to go to take a look at what they're uh, providing in the market space today to help lock your systems down. They not only do the disestates, but they're doing the CIS capability, which I think is uh, something you should take a look at and get that implemented in your system. You, there, you cannot get enough controls in place mm. to make sure that you have your system. Uh, think about it like you're flying a, a, an old 747 that had all these dials that you had to dial in. You want to make sure you have all the dials set on your system. So when you walk away from it, it's going to fly in the spot that you want it to. These are complicated systems that take a lot of work and maintenance to make sure that they're correct. It can't pass anything up. Can't pass anything up. So I would do. I would use NIST as a as a reliable resource, and then the training that you get with Share, or training you get with Asaka. DSE is coming up in the UK. So if you're out of the UK and you want good training, they have great great training. The Vanguard Security Conference. We just had that. Uh, it's all about security. We had IBM there, Broadcom there, KRI, which is bought by Rocket. Uh, we go into encryption. It's not a demonstration on tools. It's the idea that you, need, you tighten your system up for your organization. Mm-hmm. A lot of resources. You just need to work them. And we're open to any – you don't have to be a user of Vanguard to call us up and get help. We'll help you no matter what you have. You know, this has been outstanding. I always value and, and uh, get a lot out of our conversations. Um, so that said uh, – I'll be back with another podcast next month. But in the meantime, check out the other content on Tech Channel. You can also subscribe to the newsletters, webinars, ebooks, solutions directory, and more on the subscription page. I'm Reg Hardick.